Like, I really love um, the Moomins. The Moomins? The Moomins. Welcome to the RPS Electronic Wireless Show. I'm your host this week, Brendan, uh, and I'm here with Graham as well, special editor guest. Hello. I like the way when you said Brendan, your voice kind of went up at the end, like you weren't sure of your own name. Am I Brendan? I feel like I'm Brendan. I might be Adam, but I'm gonna, I've got a 50-50 chance of getting this right. <laughs> I just think it's a bit confusing because usually Pip um, hosts the podcast, but uh, she's ill this week. We've had a rash of sicknesses, so I'm here doing it now. We had to ask Pip to leave the podcast. We didn't believe that she was that ill until uh, we actually heard her, and we had to ask her to leave. Just politely asking her to exit the podcast premises like a like a welfare bouncer. <laughs> a what bouncer? A welfare bouncer. Oh. I still don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, someone who's employed by a workplace to make sure people don't come in when they're ill. If they get to the door and they sound like they're not not good enough to come into work, into the office, the welfare binder says, no, excuse me, you're not allowed in. Is that an actual thing? No, but <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can make it a thing. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that gullible. It just seems. I'm not that gullible. It's just that that sounds like a kind of thing that would exist in our dystopic capitalist society. Um, it should exist. Uh, we'll we'll make it. Our topic this week has nothing to do with any of that. It is <laughs> games that would be good adaptations of TV shows, or to put it another way, TV shows that need a video game adaptation. And we asked a lot of people about this. We've got a lot of good answers, but we'll be saving those towards the end. And we're going to talk about what we reckon would make a good TV game. Graham, what do you reckon? I am going to choose an anime, um, which probably marks me out on the podcast as the only person who watches anime. I didn't know you did, uh, so... Uh, well... I've written about it on the site, actually, for the supporter system a couple of times, and I like the least anime of anime, because anime, although it's a a medium of Japanese animation, there is also almost a genre of anime, which uh, is filled with stock characters and annoying shrieking, and I hate that stuff. But there are some really good animes out there, Um, and one of my favourite is a show called Kino's Journey which is about a young woman travelling across a fantasy land, quite a down-to-earth fantasy land, or slightly science-fiction-y fantasy land almost, um, with her talking motorcycle. 
Um, and each episode deals with her visiting a new country in this world. And it's a kind of almost Gulliver's Travels type thing. She doesn't... She encounters different societies. So, like, the first episode is set in a society where everyone lives alone in individual houses and no one will come up and, and talk to her. She just sees them, like, the, the curtains flinching. And eventually she discovers it's because everyone in this land has developed... Um, psychic abilities so they can all read each other's thoughts and it's completely destroyed the society and none of them can stand to be around each other anymore and she doesn't solve anyone's problems during the course of that episode she just has some conversations and learns about them um, there's a little bit of, of drama and it's all very heartfelt and wistful and then after three days she has a rule that she leaves whatever country she's in so that she never never goes too far and feels too compelled to settle down. So there's one that's one episode. Another episode, she comes across a society where she's just surrounded by they're just everything is mechanized. There's just robots everywhere. She comes across a society that's just constantly at war with another country that you never see. They're constantly sending people off to battle and launching missiles off into the sky for for no apparent reason. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's really interesting, and it. It tie. It, I think it would work quite well because it fits with a couple of genres of games that I like. One of which is driving games. I really like. You talked about it on the podcast. You went on a road trip. I, I, a road trip game. Yes, yes. So like, I really like Euro Truck Simulator and American uh, American Truck Simulator. Those are really relaxing games. But I really wish when I'm playing American Truck Simulator that I could pull over at some roadside diner, get out of my truck go inside and have a conversation with the have a there. pie and a coffee and talk to the the waiter yes exactly and it uh, there's another type of game i really like which is doing this kind of environmental storytelling or exploratory storytelling like tacoma or gone home and i would like more games that mix those those two things there's one game that does it a little bit which is jalopy um, which you're uh, driving across uh, procedurally generated Eastern Europe with your uncle in a beat-up car, and it's really cool. It's in LA Access at the moment, um, but I really like that. The, I think you could make a game like that out of Kino's Journey, and I really love that world. Uh, and it's uh, there's, there's, I, I, what I'll do is I'll. I'll Rather than keep droning on, I'll, I'll pop a list, a link to the article I wrote about anime, and because I mentioned the show in it in the the show notes for this episode. Cool, yeah, I've tried to watch a few different animes, and I never really get into it. So maybe I'll give Kino's World a go. Most anime is absolutely terrible, like cringeworthingly bad, and I almost like. When I tell people that I watch anime, I, I, I feel immediately the urge to go, no, 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 wait. <laughs> as, as, if, as if they're going to you know, disown me and, and run away. And the, the stock character thing is the, the worst. The number of shows that have really cool premises, and then you turn out that it's got the same five characters in it as almost every other anime show. The, the, the game you describe sounds good, though. I want to play the game of the, of the anime. <laughs> Kino's Journey is definitely worth watching because it basically only has two recurring characters, one of which is a motorcycle. <laughs> what what TV show would you like to see turned into a game? There are a couple, but I think well, the thing is, is that like h half of my TV shows I don't want to see get turned into a game because I feel like it would ruin them. I feel protective of them as TV shows, but one of my favorite TV shows is The Wire. And I have no idea how you would do that. I don't think it would translate very well. It should either be a, a, a kind of 
cop game, but a cop game where you play both sides, the cops and the drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in a, you know, the early part of that game, um, Fahrenheit, uh, where you oh, yeah. kind of cross over between being the man who's just murdered someone and then being the police who are hunting the man who you've just been playing as. That could be really interesting. It could, it, I think it could work if you were doing that. Um, or, or, I don't know, um, some kind of a management sim. Like, uh, there was a police game that came out recently. What was it? This is the police? Yeah. And I think that made, like, a halfway attempt at trying to do a police commissioner's job. You know, where you're stuck as a police commissioner and you, you're you stuck between uh, City Hall and reporters and your own workforce and the criminal elements who are trying to corrupt your workforce and you. Um, and I feel like it could have, there could be, there's a, there's room for a game like that that doesn't exist, but that wasn't it, sadly. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, if, the, if someone could get a game that really does explore like all the different levels of a power structure in one city, you know, mm. right from the people who are like holding up shops all the way up to the mayoral candidates running for office. I don't know how it would be made, but if someone with better ideas than me got behind a wire game, they could make something interesting, I feel. It feels like the subject matter, or, or, or specifically exposing those power structures, is something that video games do better than TV or linear stories. Like, by putting by giving you a literal top-down view of a, a situation, you know, a city block or something like that, and then allowing you to manipulate the different systems at play and watching how that ripples across the city. That's, I mean, that's the thing I always saw The Wire getting praised for when it was written up, and I've never watched The Wire. I've just written a lot of a lot of uh, fawning critical praise for it. I think you... Ought to because I I, <laughs> I only watched it um, earlier this year. I hadn't wa- I hadn't seen it before, so I'm like what eleven years late or something. It's so fun to watch now as well because they're all so amazed at the technology. Like one of the episodes is specifically about them the criminals switching over from using beepers to using text messages, and they talk about <laughs> text messages in such a f- like a, a, an incredibly uh, impressed way, like. The phone, like the wire that they set up uh, to listen in on the the calls or to intercept beeps uh, and stuff, uh, beeper messages and things, uh, start ma- starts making strange noises in one episode. And they're like, what is that? It's not a call. It's not a text. It's not just a number going through. What is going on with this transmission? And they finally figure out that they're, sal- they're sending pictures to each other using the phone's cameras. And, they're <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a complete revelation to them. As policemen, uh, but you're sitting watching it with your smartphone out, like scrolling through Twitter at the same time watching it, going, Duh. <laughs> I wonder, like, this almost sounds like it was an explicit counter to the CSI shows, which were contemporary at the time The Wire was on, because they are all about the way that technology advances have changed the way you fight crime, but it's wielded almost as a superpower in those shows and all of the characters are completely blasé about it. You know, a crime will happen and within the 24 hours they'll have a, a 3D animation 
of the crime and the bullet trajectories and they'll be watching that on a computer screen or they, you know there, there are other shows where it's um you know they just they just make up technology so like bones for example they just have this holographic display which they can use <laughs> for just you know just creating holograms in the middle of the room that they walk around with you know touch controls where they're just swiping in midair to control it and stuff and it's not at all like a minority report futuristic show it's set in the present day and it's set in a museum and all the characters are just like huh the the wire's a really good antidote for that then um because a lot of the characters when it's usually the criminals who start using the technology first and the police mm. have to kind of play catch up and when they do the, it takes them episodes and episodes to get some piece of technology that they need and when they do it's like it's amazing to them but anyway we need to return to games <laughs> this is the entire excuse for this podcast just, just to talk so about TV. television um the other thing the other ones that i was thinking of um would be one of my favorite tv adaptations of a book in recent times was wolf hall but i think crusader kings 2 might actually have that covered wolf hall is a adaptation of the hillary mantel book and it's about thomas cromwell the advisor of king henry the eighth trying to get his wife divorced and uh in the process breaking from rome and it's a very it sounds dry and history as hell but uh it's it's a it's a brilliant tv show uh, and a really good book and i feel like there could be something done there where you know all the plotting and the faction swapping in it telltale for for instance did a game of thrones game mm-hmm. and i liked it and i feel like something like that can be done with basically anything but uh i, I think i think that's telltale's plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> um because <clears throat> I think you could do that with House of... Telltale could make a House of Cards game. <laughs> they could make a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy game. Would Wolf Hall work? Like, I've played a fair amount of Crusader Kings, but I don't think as much as you, and certainly not as much as Adam, but would Wolf Hall work as a Crusader Kings mod? Like, is it about limiting the scope of it so it focuses on that stuff? No, because everything... that that. Crusader Kings 2 does a good job of getting into like personalities and, and characters really, really well, but it's almost still too too much of a uh, top-down view, too much of a all-seeing eye. You kind of want it with Wolf Hall, you'd almost want to get in among households. I think, um, what is that game, that old game that you raised a household? The Guild. Mm. Something like that would work better probably for Wolf Hall because... You'd want to raise your household and try and get yourself... The main character in Wolf Hall, Thomas Cromwell, is the son of a blacksmith. You don't see how he became this lawyer who becomes an advisor to the king. But following that kind of climb would be an interesting uh, video game thing, I think. Uh, Trying to get yourself one step up the ladder, one step up the ladder. It sounds like maybe the modern equivalent... Uh, is uh, Mountain Blade obviously I mean presumably with less combat but Mountain Blade has the whole you know starting off as a peasant and climbing up and and strategic marrying and buying houses and yeah now that now that you mention it Mountain Blade is the perfect Wolf Hall game because you do (laughs) you do because Thomas Cromwell goes off he fights in uh, the French French, for the French army uh, at some point he goes to Italy uh, learns his trade 
um, and comes back so to become a lawyer working for a cardinal and then working for the king. So he does hop around like you would do a mountain blade. Yeah, that works better. A mountain blade mod for Wolf Hall for the Reformation of England. There we go. I'm sure I'm sure one of our listeners can make that. Have it done by the end of next week. I think I think we could figure something like that out. Planet Earth, I think, would be uh, fun to have the hunter, but with a, a camera instead of a bolt action rifle. But that might already exist. I do. There was there was a safari game a few years ago where you were just taking pictures of the animals rather than shooting the animals. I can't remember its name, but I'll try and find it for again the show notes because yeah, I always really liked Pokemon Snap. Yeah, yeah. The other kind of the other way you could go with a Planet Earth game is do full Tokyo jungle, but not in Tokyo. Just jungle, jungle. <laughs> well, I was also thinking spore because you want that kind of be able to zoom out to the planet scale and and whip around to to somewhere else on the planet. But then everything kind of has that covered. It's Planet Earth. Yeah, that's true. But with extra not inanimate objects that talk to you. Yeah, it's even even got like the the narration, albeit from a philosopher rather than from David Attenborough. Maybe the game hmm. for Planet Earth should be you trying to come up with narration. You you <laughs> have you have great. to write the notes. You have to write the 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 voiceover for what the animals are doing. And it judges you judges you based on your word choice and improvisation. You could be one of those games where you have to use the microphone and everything. You know, like the old SOCOM games. So you have to actually speak into the microphone and give a good voiceover. Until re- until players work out that actually you can just blow into the microphone like you could in all those DS games and it does the same thing. You don't actually have to yell objection in Phoenix, right? Just blow into it and treats it the same way. Um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, I only came with uh, one, one answer prepared to this question. Otherwise, I'm just listing just TV shows I like. Like, I really love um, The Moomins. The Moomins. The Moomins. The Moomins. Did you ever watch the the not the two D uh, drawn animated version, but the the one with puppets, the British television show of the Moomins? I've never watched the Moomins. I know of the Moomins, but I I've never I've never felt compelled to watch the what the Moomins. The Moomins is, is amazing. The Moomins was created by a Finnish woman called Tove Jansen and. A long time ago now, maybe the 50s, 60s, um, and it was originally a, a comic strip that she then wrote novels of, and they're they're wonderfully written, and it's a wonderful world she describes. But the, the English version of the TV show, which was probably produced in the 70s itself, it's you can buy it on DVD, it's pretty grainy, but it's got these uh, hand puppets. And I just, I love the world of the Moomins. It's, it would almost work as a survival sim because it's all in, it would all, it's all in, <laughs> Moomins it's all, survival it's all in, it's all informed by Tove Jansen's childhood in Finland. And Finland obviously has very harsh winters, a lot of countryside, a lot of wilderness, uh, even now. And so the Moomins live out in a, a valley and they hibernate during the winter and, the winter is personified in this character called the Grok. And although it's a children's TV series, they don't shy away from showing realities of nature. Like there is a, a friendly squirrel character that just gets f***ing killed in the winter in one of the episodes. Um, and so I like I, I would love a, any kind of excuse to spend time in that 
in that world. And almost like there are there are times in Minecraft where when you get away from the the need to constantly be building stuff or any of the quest line stuff that's in there now or any of the mods and, and online server stuff, which is what people actually play, where you know, you're just you've been toiling underground doing some mining or something like that. You've been under there for maybe a few in-game days and nights and you pop up and while you've been down there maybe it's it's started to rain and you come out in the middle of a forest or something like that and the rain is falling and and the music starts to play and it's just absolutely beautiful and you get some sort of sense of uh, it's too strong to say like a communion with nature when you're sat in your pants in front of your pc but there is some sense of the beauty of nature that is expressed through minecraft and the moomins does an incredible job of doing that as well i always think as well as having great characters and so i would love a game that let me explore that world more basically cool moomins moomins meets the long dark get it done game developers it's going to be a, a Steam bestseller in no time at all. Alright, we're going to leave the TV behind for now. We'll return to it at the end of the pod pod. Um, but we're going to talk uh, about uh, some things that we've been playing. You've been playing something that we all played a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm... I was having a baby, and so I'm late to a lot of 2016's games. Um, I think actually it was late 2015, but I've been playing Inside, the game by Playdead, who previously did Limbo. I really liked Limbo, I played that when it came out, um, I can't remember what when that was, seven years ago now or something? Mm-hmm. And Inside, I loved. I thought it was much better than Limbo. I thought it was maybe a masterpiece, but mentioning it to you briefly before this podcast, I think you had a different opinion of it. Uh, hmm, yeah. Uh, Limbo and Inside are both part of, uh, I think it's what Andy Kelly from PC Gamer calls the sad child moves right genre. (laughs) Yes. I didn't, I liked it. I don't think it's a bad game, but I felt like it's Limbo 2 for me. And also, I'm not really convinced by its kind of uh, presentation of abstract, weird things as being part of a bigger, more meaningful teal. I find it difficult to believe a lot of people praising the story of Inside because to me there wasn't really one. It was just kind of unsettling imagery, one one piece of unsettling imagery after another without any kind of coherence. (laughs) And I find it funny at times. And I felt like it was funny without meaning to be funny. Like it didn't intend to be as absurd as it was. And it really was absurd to me. And I think Alec wrote an article about how its it's, it, it's humour is um, really good and uh, pointed. But for me it felt like I was laughing at it rather than with it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's fun to watch you, you struggle with this. <laughs> I, I I agree that it's Limbo too, but that doesn't bother me at all. Limbo I really liked at the time, but there were I didn't like how often it taught you through dying. You had to die in order to see what the thing was that was going to kill you when you stepped forward. Uh, not all the time, but in some instances in that game. And I also found some of its 
jumping puzzles uh, quite frustrating. Like, it was released, I think, in 2010, and physics weren't as good then as they were now, and there were times when you were standing on a box that was floating in some water, trying to jump up to catch a ladder, and it was all just slightly, slightly fiddly and annoying. With Inside, I didn't have either of those problems. I felt like it was doing a really great job at teaching me what I needed to do in, in order to advance in each situation without needing to kill me. I still died when I got stuck a couple of times, but I actually didn't die that much at all until the end. And I'm not good at games. I'm certainly not good at platformers, so I don't think that's the reason why. And I think that it was being funny on purpose. I think it's got its tongue in its cheek with certainly some of the imagery. But like an example is the ducks, the little chicks earlier <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is a dumb thing where you have to feed the chicks into the machine in order to blow them through the air, in order to knock something down from a high platform. Like, that's absurd and physically doesn't make a lot of sense. But I also really liked that because it felt like... First of all, that the game was winking a little bit at me, but also it taught me to trust it because I was thinking, oh God, this is some like horrible grinding machine that the, the chicks are going to go into and they're going to be ripped to shreds. And yeah, it's going to help me advance, but the chicks are going to die in the process. And then they didn't. They're okay. Actually, they fly through the air, they bounce off this this box or whatever it is, and then they just scatter along the I ground. I read that as the, the, the designers not having the courage to grind those chicks up. <laughs> like, not to, that they came out the other side, I was actually like, oh, they're fine. And I, I just didn't get, I didn't get the satisfaction of, of knowing what I had done was actually bad. Am I really dark? I just think it would have been funnier if the chicks actually had to be killed to, to, in order to progress. <laughs> I watched a, a film once, which were, which is uh, from the cinematographer of Koyana Skatsi. Have you heard of that film? Mm, nope. It's, uh, it's, um, it's best known now probably because Philip Glass did the soundtrack for it and, and then that piece of music was used in a Grand Theft Auto 4 trailer when that was that the game was first announced, um, but Killian Sketsy is um, a, 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 do- a documentary of sorts with no narration or no plot and no larger point, but what it does is it's just really beautiful images and haunting images from both the na- natural world and the industrial world juxtaposed over two hours, and it's it's compelling watching, uh... but the cinematographer of that did another film called Baraka, um, which is basically the same concept. But, uh, you know, so there's footage in there, basically, of these little yellow chicks being sorted. uh, And some of them get sent one way to go lay eggs, and some other ones get sent down a different chute to go be ground up into pulp, because they're no use. (laughs) Um, And so I was playing playing inside, and I just had that in my head, basically. And I'm vegetarian as well. And so I'm just, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to play this game. Why do I have to kill chicks? Why do I have to kill chicks? Why? It's just, look, it's just a nice-looking game. I just want to be a sad child and push right. Like, that's what I want to do. And so when when the chicks were okay, I was like, oh, Oh, okay. You know, maybe it's not that kind of game. The game was it's implying it was going to be that kind of game. It does get a little bit monstrous later on. It does get a little bit monstrous later on, but even when you are you eventually get the ability to command humans or humanoids in the same way as you do the chicks, basically. Um, but they never die either. They always get up 
no matter even when you drop them from a great height, it would that would surely kill them in reality. They they still manage to get up. And when it gets more horrifying, I think it just gets funnier. Yeah, the final few minutes are are pretty damn funny. <laughs> And I, I think that's on purpose. I think it's funny in the way the fly is funny. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's kind of a grotesque horror that makes very little sense, but actually uh, makes so little sense that it makes you laugh. It's not yeah. scary anymore. It's just absurd. And the animation on the thing that we're talking about but won't spoil is just astonishing. And the animation throughout is just incredible. Yeah, Um what do you think it meant? <laughs> well, uh, there is a there's an ending to the game, and then there's a secret ending to the game. What? And I <laughs> do you not know about the secret ending? No. Uh, so there are these. I won't spoil what it is, and I didn't get it. I didn't get the secret ending. I just went and watched a video of it on YouTube. But there are these like glowing orbs throughout the game. Which you can, if you go through and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. collect or destroy all a living of them, and some of them are hard to find. I only saw a few of them, and I wasn't looking for them. Um, then you can then get into a different area of the game that you can't normally access, and there is a little like meta narrative thing there in a room that maybe suggests something more about the world but I, I agree with you actually that I don't think it really has a story what I think it has is a an interesting world to explore I don't think the world makes a lot of sense but I don't actually care it was just const- it was just constantly uh, novel and compelling to me to see what it was going to do next what weird thing, what strange machinery and that was enough for me. Okay, that's fair. What have you been playing, though? You've been playing two two Fs. Um, I've been playing two Fs. Fortnite is one, and Foxhole is the other. We've got a Fortnite review. It should be up by now. Our uh, premature evaluation, our early access column. It should be up by the time people hear this. So I won't talk too much about that. I also did not like it very much. <laughs> I thought it was just a very busy, clustered, confused, loud, brash, free-to-play, overly designed piece of rubbish. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's there's the cliff notes on the review if you don't feel like reading it. Um, so I'll talk about something I liked more, which is Foxhole. This looks really interesting. I've seen this on Steam. It's a very, I would call it a Jim Rossignol game. Because our old uh, site finder Jim would play games like this. It's a, it's not set in World War Two. It's set in a kind of faux World War Two. Um, it's a top-down, third-person, persistent war game, where you have to build uh, a war economy basically, and the logistics behind the war, and then go and take over different uh, parts of town, different parts of a map. It's basically, if you think of Company of Heroes, but you are just one dude. You're not controlling the whole company. You're just a guy. And to get anything, you have to basically either build it or go and pick it up from the town hall, the nearest town hall. So if you want a rifle and loads of ammo, you have to go and pick it up there and assemble it there. And you have a very limited inventory space. You walk a lot slower if you carry too much. Um, and you, yeah, it's basically just uh, 50 players versus 50 players on a server usually. 
um, trying to fight over different parts of uh, a, a, a large, quite large map. Um, and these battles can go on for real life days as you, as each side builds walls, barbed wire, um, little foxholes that automatically shoot at the enemy, um, trucks. Uh, most of the game is driving trucks. Um, <laughs> driving trucks around behind your lines and cr- trying to get the the supplies the people need at the front to the front. So it's a war game, but most of the war, like 90% of the war, is done in the logistical side. The logistics and the engineers who build pe- things are the most important part of the war and the people who go off to the front to like shoot a few bullets at the enemy. And it's very difficult, the combat. It's kind of like... Because it's top down, you just have to kind of rotate the screen until you can kind of see your enemy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like aim with the right mouse button and shoot with the left mouse button. It's very straightforward. But uh, it's also pretty brutal and very difficult. Like a couple of shots, like one shot might make you start bleeding. And if you bleed for too long, you'll die. And a, a few, like two or three shots might kill you. You can set your spawn point, but... There needs to be supplies in that spawn point for you to spawn there. So if the logistics aren't doing their job, you won't get back to the front in time and the enemy will have a push. And also the enemy can loot anything on your body. So if you... It's just full of these terrible moments where you've lost loads of material to the enemy. (laughs) For instance, one night I was driving a truck and I accidentally didn't realize that a road wasn't in our control. And I went out through a big gate and I was like, I'll take this road. It looks like it's safe enough. And uh, got halfway down the road and all these machine gunners basically started shooting at me. And I I stopped the truck and I was like, oh no, there's hundreds of materials that you use to build basic things in the back of this truck. So if you want to build a foxhole or you want to build a wall, you want to build barbed wire, you want to build anything, you need the things that are in my truck. And there's hundreds of them. It's really valuable. (laughs) And I was like, oh no. I'll just reverse and do a turn and I got halfway through the turn and they shot my truck and the truck started smoking and broke and said it needs repairs and I was like okay I'll just get out I'll get behind the truck and I'll figure out what to do but I didn't realize that I turned the truck in such a way that the driver's door was now facing the enemy's machine guns (laughs) and I got out and just got shot to bits everything in that truck was lost the enemy got all of those supplies. Oh, uh, so like with the enemy, of literally just someone would run over, someone would, and started taking stuff out of the back of the truck or repaired the truck and driven off. Either or? human, yeah, either humans could have just. It's everything that the enemy can get, you can get as well. There's no like faction uh, specific machinery or anything like that. It's just a war of. It's kind of a fair war, you know. You both get the same things but not necessarily at the same rate. It depends on how well you are working. So the enemy, yeah, can just uh, drive their own truck over, empty that truck and fill it up theirs, and then drive that off and then blow yours up. Or they can fix up your truck and just steal it. They can do whatever they want. They can leave it in the middle of the road flaming for days if they want. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Do players work together in order to actually uh, form a well-oiled war machine or is it the case where everyone's rushing off to the front lines because they want the the glory of the of the combat you would be surprised i think how well teams of players are working in it you do get players who join and are new and like when you're new you do just kind of like try and find a gun and just run off 
and find somebody to shoot and find something to do. Uh, but you quickly realize because it's got it's got quite a high bar for entry. You die easily, and recovering from that death is not easy because it means you have to walk the whole way or get a lift the whole way to the place that you were before. You don't necessarily know what's going on on the map. A lot of players use Discord and private chats and their own calls to coordinate. So it, it it's kind of like a Eve for a little bit of a more accessible Eve online. Like it is a game where you need to communicate and it forces you to communicate. And if you don't communicate, you're not going to have a very good time. So there there are definitely two types of players. There are players who will just who will go and find like a a truck full of people and say to them, "Hey guys, what are you doing?" and they'll say, "Oh, we're a logistics squad. You want to help out?" and you'll say, "Yeah." And you'll jump in the back of their truck and you'll just go and like farm some farm some scrap with them, turn it into metal and then go and build walls, or you will go and pick up a gun and join a squad of people who uh, are going to fight on the front lines in a more or do raids and patrols in a more organized fashion than just going and shooting um it's definitely a game where i recommend if you go in just go up to some random group and ask them what they're doing until you find a group that is organized and doing something all the players as well have little brackets next to their names that show their rank and you can command different players uh, I think it's once every few hours or something. Uh, you can give a little commendation to a player and that increases their rank. You just go and find a corporal or a sergeant and who's driving a truck and ask them what they're what they're doing and then just join them and then just they'll teach you as you go. But it, it is really fun and it's... Even when you're doing boring tasks, it's very fun because all of a sudden... A man with a grenade might come out of nowhere and it'll just be a wild player from the other side and will try and blow up your half track or something like that. Um, or this, this sounds amazing. It's it's very, very fun. It's definitely an acquired taste. It's not for everybody. If you like to go in and just relax in a game and don't like to have to talk to people or be super social or learn a lot, if you like to just turn your brain off, then it's probably not the game for you. But... If, if you want to get the teamwork of kind of a fleet in EVE Online, but without the all, without as much hassle as joining a fleet in EVE Online... Without having to invest months and months and months of your yeah, life. Yeah, you into... absolutely do not need to invest that much time in this. Well, it, it's, it's time heavy. It's a time sink. Like, once you get in, you play for hours. Because it does take hmm. a long time to, like, build defenses and stuff like that if you want to do anything of note. Um, but uh, it definitely doesn't take a long time to find a squad of people who are who are doing something um and there's lots of ser- different servers so it's not like a one big persistent world it's like a lot of different small servers so you just have to make a note of the server you're on and then return to it uh you know day after day to see like how the war is going um but i've been <laughs> i've been playing like playing a, like a couple of days here and there not really returning religiously to what i've been doing i've had great experiences though like a bunch me and a bunch of engineer dudes built a massive massive wall whether they built the massive wall basically while i was offline one time and it 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 stretched for over half the map basically the maps are massive and this wall was massive it was like the great wall of china in this game 
<laughs> it was wonderful. It was such an impressive construction. And, you know, everybody on the server might not have known about their um, contribution to that war. But just when you look at this wall, that group of engineers knows when they look at that wall, we have saved lives. We have saved <laughs> lives by building this wall. There is no way the enemy can get in here without a, a really concerted effort to come and destroy a part of the wall and pour through. And they did do that at one point where part of the wall broke down and we had to rush out there and do a perimeter check to try and find out where they were spilling through. And we had to hold the wall as a choke point. So basically we had people who with rifles who were shooting at anyone who was coming within distance and they were dying and we were running out of ammo because you need to bring ammo with you and nothing is regenerative, nothing is coming out of nowhere. The ammo is being supplied and made by people back at the headquarters and we're running out of ammo, we're trying to get a, a wall patched up and then someone who was patching up the wall ran out of the materials they needed to build the wall as well. <laughs> So it was this really stressful moment where we're holding off against dozens of enemy soldiers and there's not enough of us and we don't have enough ammo, but we got it done and it felt so rewarding to patch up that last bit of wall for the person patching it up to go, okay, come through, come through, come through, and us to come through the gate and him to patch up the last bit of it and go, okay, that's it, and every one of us to just dust our hands and be like, get through that, jerks. <laughs> um, it just felt so so satisfying to 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 be part it, it makes you feel like you're part of a giant collective of, of people working together no one has a has a xp or special skills or anything like that like you need to work together to do anything in this game and there's been so many games that tried to you know almost make a real-time strategy game where and like real people play all the little soldiers you know everything from cnc renegade um, onwards, but they always they're always first person games like they're always like, oh no, we're going to combine the, R the RTS with the, the first person shooter, if you're going to be an, an individual soldier then you should be seeing through their eyes but then that just leads to everyone wanting to be the sniper, everyone wanting to be the hero yeah, and then a lot of those games they automate, I think they, made, they make the assumption that people don't want to do the logistic stuff really and so we'll automate that we'll have like NPCs or whatever that you know I feel like there's been other ones that I can't remember the names of now but CNC Renegade for example you didn't have to drive the Tiberium harvesters they just drove themselves um, and you know your job was just to defend them if they became if they came under attack it sounds that maybe this game gets around a bunch of those problems by still having that top down view yeah, the the top down view is 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 weird because it, yeah, it doesn't encourage you to be a, a, a part you know a part of a fire team or people who shoot. You can still do that, and there's still like huge amount of weapons that you can build and make and work up to. Like there are bazookas and grenades and different types of grenades for different types of things you need to blow up. There are satchel charges, and if you want to blow up a wall or get or blow up a big defenses like a bunker or something, if your enemy has built a big concrete bunker. And you need to get rid of that bunker because machine guns keep setting up their nests in there. You need to get a bunch of men together, give them a satchel charge and tell them to go and do that. And the top-down view gets in the way a little bit because you kind of have to rotate your screen a lot. 
because of the way the top-down view works, the, the way to get the best view is to always use your corner, the corner of your screen. <laughs> so you kind of rotate it and keep aimed at the corner of your screen, okay. which gives like a whole new meaning to the phrase, watch your corners. <laughs> but that is the way to get the, the, the lengthiest view, like the longest range. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's it, it it feels a bit weird and a bit uh, unintuitive, especially at first. A lot of the time, you will get shot by a, an enemy you cannot see because it's off the edge of your screen and you haven't rotated it as well as they have. But it also means that it feels really uh, frantic and and fraught because you you will see gunfire coming off the edge of your screen, but you will not see the enemy who's shooting at you, and you will just shoot back blindly into the the enemy's side of the battle and you will all your all your friends and teammates will be doing the same thing they'll all just be shooting like willy-nilly like hoping to suppress somebody or like hoping to hit somebody by luck and they're all wasting ammo <laughs> like everybody's wasting ammo but it just it feels like something you need to do and you <laughs> know that on the opposite side of that field or like in the other trench the enemy is doing the exact same thing back. Nobody knows where anybody is. It feels really, really chaotic. And when you do see an enemy, it's like, oh no, you you, you panic inside. Uh, so the top-down view does... It, it It's kind of a blessing and a curse, you know. There's, It's difficult to wield, especially at first, but uh, mm. it definitely avoids everybody wanting to be part of a fight because fights are kind of unpleasant to have. Yeah. Man, I've got to play this. Um, yeah, that's Foxhole. Uh, it's 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 fairly cheap as well. I think uh, it's only uh, uh, twelve quid or something like that, or maybe fifteen quid. Is it in early access? It is in early access right now. Yeah, um, there are still. It's still quite a bit buggy. You do need to. Wa- There's no tutorial. You do need to either ask players what the hell you're doing, or better watch one of the videos that it kind of YouTube videos that it suggests that you watch okay well uh, we're reaching towards the end of the pod pod so we'll go and see what the readers have said about our TV show topic and see what they what TV shows they want to be made into video games Let's do it. Um, we talked about a few of these earlier when we were looking. Someone said, what was it, Time Team. Vision, yeah, on Twitter says, Time Team, half worker slash resource management, half procedurally generated detective puzzle. Um, yeah, is Time Team in the US or do we have to explain that? <laughs> I don't know if it's in the US, but let's explain it anyway. Time Team is a TV show in which a team of archaeologists go to sites around Britain and dig looking for suspected remains of like medieval towns and old buildings and stuff like that. And uh, it kind of charts the progress of the dig and teaches you a little bit about the history. Is that a fair description? It's been a long time since I've seen Time Team. I think that's a fair description. It's got one of the uh, actors from Blackadder. Tony Robinson. Which makes it all the weirder if you've seen Blackadder. <laughs> yeah. But I, re- I really I really like the idea of just an archaeology game. You know, a game where you're 
digging and not sure what you're going to find. It's like I like the idea of that being a procedurally generated thing. A much more boring Tomb Raider. Oh my god, did you ever play... Um, There is a game called the... Uh, I think it's called the Lonely Geologist Society. Something like that. I'll link to it in the description. Um, which is about uh, looking around, trying to find rocks, basically, and then cataloging these rocks. And it has a big book, and other players are doing this as well. And they all name the rocks. And you could sometimes find a rock and try and find out if a player has found it before. <laughs> or you sometimes find a new rock and get to name it. <laughs> it's like um, No Man's Rock. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very odd. But it's a really funny game. And it's full of like lots of little secrets as well. Like It's not a straightforward, you are a geologist game. It's you are a geologist in a really weird world game. But that sounds maybe, maybe something a little like Time Team the game. What else have people said? We've got someone here. Rebus Stantibus says a Bioware-like RPG in the homeland setting, complete with romances, life-death decisions for the USA, EU, Iran, Google, etc. <laughs> Interesting. That sounds a bit like Alpha Protocol, though. Yeah, or um, what was the Sid Meier game? Covert Action? I, I don't know that game. Uh, Sid Meier did a game um, in which you play... A spy investigating a terrorist operation, um, which is sort of procedurally generated. Um, and so you're getting information about attacks that are going to happen, and you do interrogations, and you get little bits of extra detail, and you're trying to get enough information that you can pin together who's responsible for what's happening. And it's all sort of um, similar to Sid Meier's Pirates in that there are lots of mini games. So there's like a there's like a, a like a, a, a wire tapping mini game. There's a building infiltration mini game. That sort of stuff. Um, it's it's really cool. It doesn't have the Alpha Protocol thing of like relationships or the Bioware thing of you know talking to other people and building relationships with them and and romance, which uh, seems key. Yeah, spy games. I'm totally for totally for spy games. Someone else, Anders Russell, has said the wire as well, but he's. <laughs> It should feature a nemesis system, ensuring that you never win, as there's always another boss, political, police, or drug. Which is a very, very good point, because one of the things in The Wire is that any time the police take down anybody of note, somebody else of note arrives on the scene, and they just can't, they just can't <laughs> win. They can't win that war. And yeah, the, the same kind of applies to the law by the, the law-keeping side. So that's an interesting. Um, <laughs> that's funny. An interesting point to make. There was a good one on Facebook from Clement Nitram. Sorry if I'm butchering that name. What about uh, the Thick of It roguelike simulation game? The Thick of It, if people don't know, is a political comedy show in the UK created by Armando Iannucci, who also did Veep. Um, you would have to survive wave after wave of political incompetence from your administration, try to climb a ladder of power, and whenever your decisions are not popular enough, Malcolm Tucker would chase you and insult you to death. I think that is <laughs> that's definitely a fun idea. I don't know if comedy translates very well in in games. Not directly. No. It's not the thick of its co comedy, anyway. No. Neil Wells suggests the Great British Bake Off VR. Stand at your immaculately modelled baking station and navigate a series of cake-based challenges thrown at you by Virtual Mail and Sue. Mix, whip, pipe and frangipan your way to victory, all in a glorious first person. Um, which I... which... 
we actually have written about uh, a great British Bake Off game before on RPS where we interviewed a bunch of game developers and asked them how they would make a great British Bake Off game. Um, and there were some good suggestions in there as well, so we'll link that in the show notes. We've got a couple of people as well saying uh, Twin Peaks, Lucas Schwartz um, says Twin Peaks, bear with me in 1998. David Lynch was trying to get a video game made under the title Woodcutters from Fiery Ships. Is that is that true? <laughs> I don't know. I'd never heard that before. I don't know. If we, we'll have to take your word for it, but I, I, I've, I've never heard of that. Uh, would you like a Twin Peaks game, Graham? I would like a Twin Peaks game. Um, and I, 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 I've never played uh, Deadly Premonition, which is the real game that people most often compare to Twin Peaks, I think. I've I've watched Deadly Premonition being played at a party when I think Alice insisted on it being played. <laughs> it was either Alice or Cara Ellison was was insisting that Deadly Premonition should be played at this party, um, and it was it was definitely a thing. Did it did it seem like the Twin Peaks game of your dreams? Well, I've only, the thing is I've only seen a couple of episodes of Twin Peaks, and I never kept it up, um, and I've always been meaning to go back to it. Not a huge Lynch man, um, probably for the same reasons I don't like Inside. <laughs> it's a bit nonsensical. Uh, but yeah, I think the game should be made for the benefit of the people who love it. And that's that's enough <laughs> for me. The problem is that all of these ideas we're having, if they were actually made in reality, would probably just be hidden object adventure games. Oh, God. And I, I, I don't say that to disparage hidden object games. If if Pip were here, she would scold me for suggesting that. I, I like <laughs> hidden object games, but they often do not feel like the best way to translate what makes a TV show unique. But yet there are a great many, like CSI or House, MD, um, hidden object games. We have some people saying Firefly as well, which feels like surely a Firefly game exists because it's already quite video gamey. There was a bunch of, on different instances, there were Firefly games in development. I don't know if any of them ever actually came out. Uh, there was a Firefly MMO in production at one point. Yeah, um, but I mean, I... but much like the TV show, I think it was short-lived. Yeah, I much, I much prefer um, Camille Cap Copal. Oh, sorry, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> I f- who I much prefer Camille's suggestion, who says, "I feel like Cowboy Bebop slash Space Dandy deserve it." Um, who's actually someone who suggested Twin Peaks, but Cowboy Bebop was one of the main inspirations for Firefly. Uh, but it maintains a lot more strangeness and and style. I think, compared to Firefly. So I'd much prefer a Cowboy Bebop game. We've also got a few people saying Reboot, um, but I feel like they're only saying that because when we asked the question on Facebook and Twitter, we attached an image of the characters from Reboot. (laughs) Yeah, I think we implanted that idea in there. Yeah, I don't think you want a Reboot game, really, if you think about it. I did enjoy Reboot when I was a kid, but I'm not sure I want a game of it. No, I also think there was a game at some point, so go play that if you're really, really into it, and remind yourself, remind yourself <laughs> of what you're not missing. <laughs> yeah, someone says uh, William Sulka says curb your enthusiasm MMORPG, <laughs> 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 which is an excellent joke. 
Uh, and if it existed as a game, would still be an excellent joke. Uh, but maybe <laughs> not an excellent game. I can't see anything else that I feel is uh, convincing. <laughs> no, me neither. There's a lot of ideas, though, so we'll link to the rest of them in the show notes so people can browse for themselves. If there are any game producers or game studios out there looking for their next hot property, maybe a Father Ted mod for Dear Esther is the thing they're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I think we'll leave it there. You've been listening to the Rock, Paper, Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show um, with me, Brendan, and Graham Smith. If you want to see more of our lovely stuff we are on twitter youtube and facebook at rock paper shot sans the gun uh if you want to email more suggestions for different tv shows that you'd like to see turned into games or maybe suggestions for different topics that we can cover uh you can email podcast at rock paper uh or if you just want to say hello or send us nice things you can do that at that email address as well we're also on Twitter. I'm at Brandy underscore C. Uh, Graham, you are at Gonus, I believe. Yep, G-O-N-N-A-S. And if people want to be extra lovely, they can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, um, which does do wonders for helping more people discover the podcast. Yeah, or you can just tell your friends it's a lovely podcast with your human voice in human person. You can do that as well. You can play the podcast for them. Yeah. Using your mobile phone speaker while on public transport. I mean... Play for the whole bus. Don't do that because you'd be a rude person, Graham. Hey, if it's in service of the podcast, what do we care? All right. Um, Okay, well, that's it. We'll wrap up. If you've got questions, send them to us. If you've got suggestions, send them to us. We've been The Electronic Wireless Show. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.